conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. All right, 12 minutes after 12 minutes after 10 o'clock. Before we get into our finance segment, just a request from the producers, please don't call the WhatsApp number. Uh, it's just for voice notes and text messages. Uh, unfortunately, because that number is live, when you call, you disrupt what is going out on air. So please don't call the WhatsApp um, line on 0614104107. That's for your text messages and voice notes only. If you want to call us, do it on 086-000-2032. That's the line to reach the studio. Brendan? A very good morning to you, Brandon, Brendan Gase, in for uh, Brian Hirsch today. He's the head of Anchor Capital Private Clients. Good morning, Brendan. Good morning, Cathy. Yeah, it has been a while since I've <clears throat> stepped in for Brian while he uh, enjoys a, a well-deserved break, uh, taking getting out of Joburg during the winter. So he's disappeared overseas, I believe. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, we're thankful that you were able to take time out to come and be with us for uh, the next couple of weeks while Brian is away. And today, of course, we're going to be talking about financial risk. And this is risk that individuals face, especially once they, re- they, they, they reach retirement. Yeah. And, and it's a big to- uh, talking point, especially for our listeners, because retirement just seems to be one of the things that we plan so badly for and we almost want to try and <laughs> fix it when we are there and we know that once you get there it's too late yes so yes we'll talk about some of the risks uh going you know in retirement that people retirees do face and i'm sure we'll have callers calling in and sort of giving us sort of their observations because uh, it would normally sort of occurs that everybody goes in and there's something that they wish they'd they'd known 20 years or 30 years prior to going into retirement. So there are a few severe sort of hazards. Um, and then, you know, also just helping those people approaching the retirement, you know, how do you go about it? How do you, what do you look out for? What do you have to plan for, etc. And uh, yeah, there are a few material, very material sort of risks that we've observed. And uh a lot of things have changed around in the investment world in the last few years with, uh, you know, for retirees. So, yeah, we can go through a few of those things. Let's start it off at the 20-year journey and even beyond 20-year journey. What is it that somebody right now should be thinking about retirement? What What are the areas we should be looking at so that when we get to retirement age, we're not surprised? Okay, so retirement can be <clears throat> a bit like a journey, you know, when you get on a plane to, you know, sort of the plane lifts off and it's, you're flying from Joburg to Cape Town or whatever, you know, it's sort of a take off and you look like you're heading to Limpopo province and then the, the pilot's got to redirect and, you know, sort of get the journey so you've got to plot and plan and alter the course of along the way and uh, that's exactly what our working lives are like so you know we've got to have a a a destination we want to we know we would need to to go at at one point in time we're going to be forced to stop working whether that's due to health or uh, you're forced to you reach the retirement age so you've got to you know have a you, you know where you're going to go so 
that, that mere fact alone means that you can start planning for it. And what does one do? You know, life will throw you some curveballs along the way. You'll be retrenched. You'll have good jobs, bad jobs. Um, sometimes you'll be in, you know, uh, at a part in your life where you've got a lot of debt or children or things like that. So you, you go through a journey. But along the way, you've got to start planning. And the very simple sort of uh, observation of many years of working with people um, through as they start saving is just start doing something. You know, have a have a plan. Now, if you're a youngster who's starting your first job today, um, just get into the the habit. And I know for many people there's an affordability issue, but it's they use that analogy: pay yourself first, and that's put away a certain percentage of your salary. And as you get a salary increase, just keep doing that and put it into decent assets, whether it's into your pension fund at work or whether it's into unit trust savings, which Brian might have spoken about, or whether it's into your property, uh, you know, fixed thing. Lifestyle assets, cars, etc., aren't, you know, those are the sort of flashy things that we all like to have, but uh, aren't generally deemed to be, you know, sort of normal assets. They depreciate too rapidly. So if you start saving, you, you then at least start building a plan. And then along the way, you can sort of build it out a bit more and get, you know, add more things, be more tax efficient, etc. We have a lot of people today that are employed but without benefits um i I don't know whether it's simply because the nature of of work has evolved to that point workers may be having less rights or you know less um influence of the trade unions either way you have people that are entering the job market now um that simply don't have access to pension um, what do those people, what what should they be doing? Yeah, that's been a big, big transformation. I mean, if you think back to possibly your parents' day or whatever, you know, they, they had sort of very fixed pensions and uh, and uh, there was, you know, reasonably defined outcomes for them. Now we've all got to look after ourselves in respect of building out a pension. There have been pension reforms and, uh, and even you know, there's the new one where you can access pots of money. All that does is actually diminish the savings because people are accessing their pension savings a bit earlier. So, yeah, we've all got to, you know, uh, get out there and actually take personal responsibility because the only, you know, your only other outcome in South Africa is, you know, the, the old age, you know, the state pension, which isn't something that for most people that are working, that is really a breadline type of approach, you know, that keeps the sort of poverty really at bay. But um, ordinarily, you've got to get out and get a, you know, find a set your own sort of plan along the way, cannot, uh, the, the savings, the, the, the businesses, there was, you know, a few years back, there was a lot of talk around retirement reform and sort of getting more companies to pick up with pensions. But I think in an economic environment where we struggled recently with economic growth, um, you know, adding that extra sort of benefit to a person's package um, becomes a bit unaffordable. And uh, people really are, you know, they look at their take-home pay, what lands in my bank account versus, you know, what was taken off for savings. So it's, it's got a bit harder in that regard. So the the moral of the story or the first big point here is that if you are not actively contributing towards your retirement, then that is something that you need to stop and think about because ultimately 
um, it's likely to not change further down the road. So yep. today is the best day to start, regardless of yep. where you find yourself. Yeah. So, you know, we have a, you know, the, I mean, the various tables, it's quite easy to sort of work out on you know, especially with Excel uh, features nowadays. But if, if a person is, you know, if you start saving at the age of 25, you know, you, you need to be putting away somewhere between 10 and 15% of your salary. If you leave that saving to 50, you've got to suddenly, and you're retiring at 65, you've got to start be putting away like 60% of your salary. That's completely unaffordable. But if you get into the discipline of a certain amount from day one, when you start earning, just put away 10% and just keep, nest egging that mm-hmm. away that, that that works out it works out to be so much easier um and uh, you you know before you know it it is compounding up so but please yeah you've got to take responsibility for it for yourself all right brendan i want you to go through some of those figures for us in a moment sort of mm. age group wise because i think that's yeah. information <laughs> that uh you know it can be very useful uh because i think many people do want to say but they struggle you know figuring out how much should i be putting away and and, and those figures are, are certainly helpful for that aspect of the conversation we'll take a quick break i'm back with brendan we're talking Finance. Making sense of your finance. We're talking finance uh, with Brendan Gaze today. He's in uh, for Brian Hirsch. We're talking about some of uh, the risks, the financial risks that you have to consider, especially at the point of retiring. And like we said earlier, the conversation around retirement doesn't start at retirement. In fact, it's something that you need to start building towards the, the moment that you sort of have the opportunity to work and I like those percentages that you started giving out giving out Brendan um, the the age groups and how much of our salaries we should be putting away yes we're talking about ideals but at least people will have a picture of how far down uh, they, they, they they're falling if they're not meeting that target okay so when you're plotting that course and you you you're wanting to yeah if you when you retire, you would like to sort of keep the same standard of living. That's that's the goal. So you you know what you're earning sort of before retirement. Uh, you hope that you can carry on living off the same sort of amount. And there are things that drop away. So for example, you should be reach retirement debt free. So you won't have a home loan repayment or car repayment when you retire. But along as you start, at you know if you're starting out and you're a youngster, at least you know I'd, I. It, ask our big people not to do anything less than 10%. And that's, I'm talking 21, 22 type of thing, come out of university, or even if you start your first job, just put away that by 25, it's already up to 15% that you need to start putting away. So it's already jumping because you haven't done it. If you keep 10% from 18, then you're sort of feeling okay. By 35, you're already at 35%, <clears throat> you know, needing to put away 35% of your is package yes your income's gone up and that and um, by 45 it, it increases and remember along the way your standard of living's generally increasing you start off if you think back in your life mm-hmm. where did you come from where did you start what was your first uh, home like or might not even call it a home it was you know a little <laughs> flat that you room sort where of, you squatted <laughs> with yeah, everybody else yeah sort of uh, building yeah sort of a, a commune or whatever it might have been um but, you know, you think back there. So your standard of living improves along the way. So when, by the time you reach retirement, you sort of have this um, larger sort of expectation. And you've got 
a few other commitments like children that hang around and keep on costing you money. So it's like you've got to factor in that type of thing. But by 40, 45, you're already at 40% through 40%. And by 50, you're getting close to 60% because time is running out. You know, by, <clears throat> by you know, 50, you only got 180 paydays left, um, you know, on your salary. And uh, so time, you know, if you retire at 65. So, and oddly enough, 65 in itself is such a fiction of, you know, it was a random time period that was picked out 150 years ago, you know, in the in Germany back in the 1870s as retirement. It's no longer applicable. People are living way beyond 65 now as well. I saw an interesting article the other day that said retirement is not about age, but about how much you have in your bank account. Is that fair? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's all about, I mean, financial freedom, if you think about it, is defined as when, you know, I mean, we work up, you know, we work for money and then we have money work for us. Mm-hmm. And financial freedom is when you've got enough money that it works for you. And but. Unfortunately, most of us are pushed out into retirement before we've reached that stage. So we then have to live off whatever we've built up as a nest egg. And that's, you know, so financial freedom is defined as, you know, having your money work for you. Um, Sometimes we just don't have enough put aside. Let's talk then more about some of the hazards that um, you pointed out earlier, saying that there are hazards that we have to be mindful of Mm. that come with this journey to retirement. Okay, so the first one is when you do retire, you now have some money you've put aside, you've built up a basket of assets, whether that's made up of properties or, you know, your pension fund or tax-free savings accounts or unit trusts or shares or whatever it might, business interests, etc. So you've built up this portfolio of stuff, but now you've got to start living off that. How long does it need to last for? None of us know. These days, people are living longer and longer. Yeah. I mean, some of the statistics say that we're going to have more and more people living at least until 120. You think about 65 being... Um, almost half of that. Yeah. How are you going to save up enough money to last you for what's mm. equal, really, to one part to one lifetime? Yeah. So exactly that. I mean, you know, if you think uh, you take, um, I'm not sure in your case personally, what age your parents passed away. Yeah. But we generally are living longer than our parents mm. did. So you take that as a number and then the you know the this you know because of advances in medical care and that sort of thing we you know we are and the the medication out there. I mean you know Sunlam came out with a, a statistic the other day that they just you know one odd thing that if if a couple today are 65 both of them age 65 there's a 50% chance that one of them is going to reach the age of 94. Mm. Okay, so, that, um, you know, that, that's that's quite, uh, you know, that's sort that's of tw- at least 20 20 years 29 years yeah, of retirement. Shucks, okay. So you've got to, you know, that, uh, mm. and uh, I think we've, we're seeing more and more statistics like that. Mm. And, uh, you know, people are just, so longevity is is the first sort of thing that you've got to plan for. You know, none of us, we've got to make this money last, but you don't want to, ideally, would love to spend our last rand on the last, 
day that we're around, but it doesn't sadly work out that way. And if you you know if you run short, then what? What's your plan B? You don't have a plan B. You've, you you're now no longer able to work, and then it becomes a dependency thing mm. on somebody else or onto the state, etc. So, All right. I'm going to interject yeah. there. I'm going to give you an opportunity to continue with some of those hazards in a, mo- in a moment. It's gone 10.30. It's time for the latest news headlines. We continue talking finance with Brendan after. Kathy Motlatana on SAFM. Making sense of your finance. All right, we continue talking finance with Brendan Gase. I'll be taking your calls on 086-000-2032 in a couple of minutes. I first want to give Brandon an opportunity to finish talking to us about those hazards, right, uh, that really involve the financial risks when one reaches retirement and we are not prepared for that moment. Okay, the the next one that is a big one and... uh, It'll be. It would have been a to- talking point, I'm sure, daily almost on, on your show. Is inflation, and what damage that does. So along the way, we have this uh, sort of hidden uh, thing that you think you've got enough money, and the next day you, you walk into the shop and prices have gone up again, or medical aid. And I think if we, you know, when you factor in a, an inflation rate, um, my observation at a personal sort of financial level with with observing retirees and and helping them is that inflation for pensioners has been fairly steep because if you think about like the few costs um, that affect them that are their major expenses, medical costs are being one of them, their rates and taxes and electricity um, bill, and and we know what Eskimo put put prices up over the past few years and uh, so though you know those are tend to be retirees a main thing and then the food aspect of um, has, has climbed quite dramatically so a lot of uh, you know inflation definitely harms people along the way and and, and it's 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 very hard to factor that into to your plans um, yep so that's the, the next one and Brendan, this issue of, of, of rates and taxes, and I'm just thinking now about uh, perhaps some people who might be middle-aged at this point buying properties in complexes that tend to have higher rates than just if you're living in a standalone house. How? What? What is the impact of that sort of as one nears retirement age and what do we need to be factoring in mind around that? Okay. I'm sure if I use the word special levy, um, you'll you'd be flooded by callers phoning in to complain about their various complexes that might have done that type of thing. There are, you know, every complex has a has a set of rules. You, you're mm-hmm. part of a small community and there's the board of trustees and all those mechanisms and they try and run those and they try and keep the maintenance and repairs and et cetera along the way. So it's, you know, the, the, those, you, you, you're paying for, you, you, you're almost paying something else. You're paying, you know, you're getting your water and lights, and you're getting, you know, your refuse removal. Plus, you're also getting the the the, the communal security of something being done um, inside your complex. So, I think it's yeah, it it that definitely goes up, um, and it and as places age, you have that problem of, um, and then you've also got the 
problem with people defaulting. So, you know, inside a complex, there can be, de you know, default arrangements. And that, that also makes it hard that fewer people have to sort of support uh, the mm -hmm. overall thing. Um, mm -hmm. So the management around there has been very problematic for many complexes. How, how do you find that it affects retirees? So, you know, um, because what we're told, at least, about properties that find one you like, paid off, so that when you retire, you can live in it for the rest of your life. Um, so how are you finding that particular aspect affects retirees? Yes. So, I mean, you know, the, the retirees, the retirement homes, I mean, you get retirement villages, retirement homes, and th those have all fared reasonably well for, for people. People sort of know what they're getting into, and some of the complexes have life rights and all that type of thing. So you're buying into, to, you know, all of them got their own own rules. Um, the, the whole secret is actually just make sure it's at a standard that you can afford. Um, because I think that's where you, you know, people go horribly wrong is that mm -hmm. they walk in and they suddenly see a new complex that's been built. And then that idea of having, you know, it's a bit like a new car, you know, we all love the smell of a new leather, you know, seats and that type of thing. Uh, that that disappears very quickly. And then you have it. So so looking, shopping around and, and finding a complex with an appropriate level of, um, uh, you, you know, their levies are, are or what you can afford is a, is the, what you where you've got to start, and then also when you're checking out the place, make sure that you know when you're going into these places, have a look at the financials of the the complex to make sure that you know there aren't lots of outstanding things. There are minutes; those trustees do have to disclose that sort of thing. All right. All right. What else is on that list? Okay. Yeah. The the next one. I mean, is uh, <coughs> the the well, it, it it really goes around a bit around the investments and what we call, you know, the, there's market volatility. So you've got, um, we've we've been through quite a wild ride in the past sort of three years. If we think about uh, sort of the events that have occurred, you know, COVID was a one in a hundred year event. We've had the 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 European sort of outbreak of wars the last time that happened was you know 80 years ago and and now we've had high inflation the last time we experienced such high inflation was the 1970s with the oil embargoes and that so we've sort of had in three years we've had three call it and that was a one in 50 event with sort of three events that have occurred all in back to back in that um so it's been volatile now when you living off um you know, and you're withdrawing your money, and you have this massive fluctuation in returns, and you you announce it five times a day on on radio. What you know, what the JSC's done, that's affecting people along the way. You know, when it's down, the JSC's down a percent. That that hurts people, and the currency as well has been very very volatile. So the, you know, it is a a big thing, and so you've got to factor in and almost work your life in silos where. Okay, for the next five years, I've got this money put aside in quite secure, almost money market, low risk investments. And then you've got your other investments that need to keep growing because you don't know how long you're going to live for. So it, um, you've got to be, you know, keep a, you know, get a, get a good balance between it. So market risk and volatility is, is a very big factor for people. All right. All right, Brendan. Um, I'm going to go to our phone lines and start taking sure. some callers uh, that are coming through to us on this issue. Colin in Cape Town, good morning. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Brendan. Good morning. 
Um, I'm going back to 1964 when I first started to work. I worked for the government department. And, uh, you know, I've seen so many people fall out of the uh, employment just to get hold of their pensions. And they squander their pensions and they go look for another job, another job, get the pension, they resign and use the pension. And today, quite a few of them are suffering. They are sorry they did that. Now, my recommendation is if you're working for a big, big company and you seem to work five, six years and then afterwards you get tired of that department or something like that, or the supervisor or your boss don't get on with you, go to the notice boards like I used to do and look for vacancies in the same company. Then I apply for that vacancy, I get that vacancy, I, I, I get the, 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 the job, and then I've got a new environment now for another five, ten years, and so if I get tired of that, I look at the vacancy board, I get another job. You know, I had about 15 different jobs, all in the same company. And what helps also is when you take out a new, uh, you take out policies along a line, one at the age of 30 pays out, 35 pays out, and 40 pays out. That helps you along, along the road while you are, are still employed. You are getting, you are paying a pension, but I find those little, those policies are very helpful. What, 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 what kind of policies, Colin? Uh, your yeah, endowment policies, mm. your short term. Mm. So at the age of 30, the one came, 35, the other one came, and 40, the other one came. But you still got your job and you still pay into a pension fund. Now, my advice is if the boss works in the nerves and you can't get out of there, but stay in the company and you just ask for a transfer somewhere else. People are too quick to jump and mm. resign and take the money. And by the time they look, they're four or five years down the line, they're older. And as uh, Brendan reckons, the older you are, the worse it gets. 60% you will pay pension. So that's my advice. All right, Colin, I think that's good advice. Having a lot more tenacity in in the workplace. And I think, um, you know, as, as coming from a generation considered to be millennials where one thing upsets you, you're out the door, I'm done, never coming back. Um, <laughs> Brendan? Okay, so, they, no, they, I mean, you know, that's a great story. And it was harder in, you know, Collins Day, you mentioned 1964. Then in, in those days, if you left your company at a short notice, you didn't get the company contributions that they put to the pension fund. So you're even punished even more. So that, that sticking in and that loyalty factor was almost built into the plans back then. But, we, you know, we do have, and it's strongly recommended, if a person leaves a company, and, and, and the workforce is a lot more mobile nowadays, but look to preserve those assets. You know, keep their are preservation fund so move your pension fund you can get it under your personal sort of control in a preservation fund you can be tax efficient and uh, the other factor that he mentioned was sort of those investments coming up at various times Um, I think there's a lot more transparency around costs and product selections there's some nice things out there but building up an emergency sort of fund for something you know those you know having a bit of money that you don't when 
suddenly you, you you know the months that your car tires and your fridge pack up and and you know that you're suddenly going into the credit card having that sort of buffer that you can protect yourself and then there are events you know you know that your child's going to start school five years from now and if you're planning you know doing some of that staggered planning that he refers to it can help you build up and it allows you to keep sort of one stream of investments building up for the long term and that's yeah so there's a good example of somebody who sort of did it he might not have known what he was doing at the time but he's mm. gradually learned along the way and he's corrected course as he's gone along all right anonymous you're calling us from matlasana good morning good morning morning Kefi. how are you <laughs> i'm all right how are you anonymous I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> anonymous. <laughs> Are you sure you're anonymous? <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> let me keep quiet. <laughs> Let's Kefi, move don't on. Go <laughs> don't go there, Kefi. <laughs> for sake of uh, safety. Okay, go for it, Anonymous. Look, man, Kefi. Uh, this uh, pension fund of municipalities, uh, I, I, I've been trying to, to, to call the... the Ombudsman. Uh, in my case, Kefi, I, I I was working 2005 in the municipality. Now they advised me to to get to to get a disability, and then they said to me in HR when uh, they said to me, I'll get every month a, a salary. Now, when I check, I said, Mark. Because I, I, I have nine years in, uh, in the service, you see. When I call, uh, I call the, the, the pension fund, they said the money that I should supposed to get, uh, 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 I, I don't know whether I must call it with the name uh, Salam. It's Salam that is going to pay me. I said I didn't join Salam. I joined the municipal gratitude fund, you see. Now, uh, the amount that they gave me, I'm not a happy case. I've been trying to get the office of the ombudsman. They take and dive in those people who paid me. Yeah. And then I don't get any salary even today. Let me hear what Brendan yeah, has okay. to say to you, Anonymous. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I, I suspect that you, when you went off on the disability, because what would normally happen if somebody, while they're working, so let's take a 45-year-old person has a motor vehicle accident and now suddenly unable, or, or another person has a stroke or something like that, and they're suddenly unable to carry on their occupation. Many schemes at work or pension fund schemes have what they call income disability. So that, that then pays you a percentage, say 75% of your salary up until the normal retirement date. So you go from 45 to 65. And I suspect that did that happen in this case here? Uh, uh, it could well have been the case. And then when you're at 65, it stops. Mm -hmm. And then you've got to, whatever you've, your pension fund was and what you've saved in that intervening period is then what you've got to live off. So that disability grant stops at some point in time. Uh, Anonymous, did you get paid until retirement? Yeah, yeah, yes, Kefi. They, they, they paid me for only for, for, for that. But now I don't get any salary, half of my salary that I was getting. Because yes, they, they advised me to say I'll get every month a salary and then I don't get anything. 
but but you're past you the see, retirement when I, age when now. When I go to HR, they refer me to the same people of the pension fund. Mm. The same my grandmother was working also in the municipality. When I started to work there, my, old, my, my grandmother was working for since apartheid. I get him. It, it, it does not have anything, any, anything, and then he died with that stress. Yeah, look, Anonymous, I, I think that what Brendan is saying should, be, should help answer your question. The fact that once you get to retirement age, they don't have to pay you anymore. Then you actually have to go to the pension fund and see what you can get out of that um, to, to help you on a month-to-month basis. Yeah, because he had a disability benefit yeah. by the sound of it, and that disability benefit terminates normally at re- sort of at retirement age, and then you live off what you've what you've saved, and you know pension is one of those sort of things. So it it really sounds like he's now turning back to the pension administrator in that mm. he mentioned the name, but that they just administer the pension for the municipality that he works for. The municipalities themselves don't administer pensions. You know, they they're not fund managers in that sense, they outsource that. But so Jeffy, y- yes, yes, Jeffy, yes, anonymous. Please, please, I want, I want, I don't know whether Brendan and I, uh, when they can investigate, I can, I can give them all documents of what, of course, who can, yeah, I can, I can send them all documents so that they can investigate this. Okay. Because Really, there's something that is wrong in, the, in, this, in this old stuff. All right. All right, Anonymous. Not a problem. Um, we'll, give, we'll give you that number. And, of course, um, you can okay. call into that number and give them uh, the details. And there'll be an Steve email address that, that they share with you. And you can send the, the, those de- details online. I'm going to take a quick break. Okay. And then I'll take more calls after this. Kathy Motlatana on SAFM. Making sense of your finance. All right, we continue talking finance. I'm taking your calls on 086-000-2032. Tato, you're in the Free State. Good morning. Good morning, Mrs. Chetien. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Tato. I'm good. I wanted to assist Anonymous. Okay. Um, I think Anonymous was a, was a bit ill-informed uh, or misadvised by, by the HR. When a member from the pension fund rules, you'll notice that a member should serve at least 10 years in the fund, be a member for 10 years, for, for that person to qualify for the monthly pension as a result of ill health or maybe a disability. Now, the member has nine years. It's one year short of making 10 years. Now, whenever they claim, they will pay lump sum, and the monthly pension, will, it's up to him to get that lump sum to, uh, 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 for, 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 to another uh, institution that which they call it um, for for retirement annuity side, so that they are able to give him monthly pension for that money that he has sent, uh, saved with with the with the company of his choice. But the fund would pay lump sum once off because the member did not have ten years within the fund. He must go and check his pension fund rules. They specify that for you to qualify for that monthly, you must have at least. 10 years and above. Mm. So he was 10 years, which makes, which makes him to get the lump sum, and that's once off. Okay. All right, Tato. Yeah. Th- that sounds like it's good advice. 
Brendan, do you agree with what Tato is saying? Tato has raised a very good point there, is that every pension scheme has a, has a set of rules, and uh, and certainly the municipality and a lot of you know the, the government employees' pension fund have a you know I mean a, a big membership, and there are very defined rules around it. So the the awareness. Um, you know, from anonymous to to understand that, and maybe it's been poorly communicated via the HR mm. as to exactly what the specific rules are. I'm, you know, when I was ref- when I was talking about the income replacement, I'm talking to sort of a generic, you know, sort of normal pension fund that has a you know a bit of life cover, group co- uh, income disability, and pension and provident fund savings, and fairly rule light. But in the municipality, because they've been around so much longer yeah. than many business pension funds, they've got a lot more embedded rules. So Tatu's, I think that's very helpful. All right. Let me take some of the questions coming through on the WhatsApp voice note line. Good morning, Kathy. Uh, I've got a problem. and Please ask your guest to help me. I've been complaining going for my, man, my pension funds. And then... FSCA said uh, my money is with Metal Industry. I went to Metal Industry. They can't help me. They say I'm not, I'm not in a system. Funny enough, when I asked for a supervisor, she said that my, 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 there's a fund that was paid to my wife. But when I want to lay a complaint to a manager, they can't let me in to lay a complaint for their service at Metal Industry. Please, can your guests help me? Please, Kathy. I'm Charles from Soweto. Brendan? Okay, I mean, there are mechanisms. So again, if he leaves a message, we'll endeavor to get somebody to sort of just make contact and see what exactly Mm -hmm. the problem is. I mean, the Metal Industries Union is, you know, it's, it's a fund that's known to us. So, you know, we can sort of ask um, but as to yeah when 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 you phone in and and things were paid out to other people um, let's just yeah uh, you know I mean we've had many scams and frauds in the past with people accessing other people's pensions Mm. Um, so yeah it's but let's it shouldn't happen though yeah you know you can tie it back to an employer and to to a pension contribution Mm -hmm. scheme so Mm -hmm. invariably there's quite a good paper trail out there all right Stephen in Soweto good morning all right, looks like we've lost Stephen. Let's take this voice note then. Morning, Katie and SFM listeners and Brandon there. I want to ask Katie, I was listening in the morning about withdrawing a third of your pension fund. Uh, we are not registered on a pension fund, but we are contributing co provident fund. So does that also apply that I can take my one third of my provident fund? Thanks. This is James from Johannesburg. Okay, so there was a change back a few years back in terms of provident fund. Previously, you could take, you know, on a provident fund, you could take the full amount. So there is that, what they call sort of a vested portion now that you can still access quite a bit. And then, you know, up to 100% of that. And then from, and I'm trying to think the date, I'll, I'll just have I think it's let's say 2019 or somewhere like that, and the contributions to a provident fund fell in exactly the same way as pension contributions, where you could access a third. What they were endeavouring to try and do with that change of legislation is always leave people with some pension because people were cashing out fully, paying a whole lot of tax, 
and then the money was disappearing and then they were left with nothing very shortly thereafter. So having access to the full pension was proving to be problematic. Mm. So that's why they made the change. His pension administrator should be able to tell him what he's permitted to access um, on their, you know, your pension, you get a pension benefit statement and on that it should be able to tell you or if it's not on that statement, just ask, you know, your pension administrator um, HR will be able to direct you in the right direction to get actually what you are permitted to access. All right. Thanks for that. Stephen in Soweto. Hey, Alfie. Hello, mm-hmm. and Brendan there, please. You know, it's really, it's a hard, you know, this happened to find that, you know, the Cosatro representative in parliament was happy about this access to the money of, you know, of pension money or, mm-hmm. yeah. Because, Casey, around the late 80s, the, the unions actually forced the government to change the laws in order for the people to access their money through introducing the provident fund. And now these people, the various, some of them are still working. They've accessed those monies through the provident fund. Now the, the damage is coming. And we are not going to get out of this property, Casey, because when you work, you must ensure that the little that you have saved it becomes generational, I mean, for your children to come, you know. So really, this is a bad, it's a bad decision that the union has actually again taken. It's not good at all. Stephen, it's they say it's good. what the workers want. You, you know what? The union, you know, the union's leaders of flexibility, if you can remember, Sandom Tunu once said, all the, 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 the the old civil servant must actually take pensions in order to actually, you know, make spaces for the young ones because of the unemployment in the young ones, right? And the union, why were they? They didn't even get the mandate from the from the, the their members. They just said no, right? Because of this subscription being based on percentage. You understand? So this instead of they should actually allow the civil servants to get that any retirement because the government at that time was saying it will be with full benefit, right? So now they are saying it's okay this way because they will still be keeping that number of the old civil servants who will be actually contributing to the unions so for the same percentage, okay. right? Okay. Which is not, it's not on cake. Stephen, we're completely yes. out of time. Brendan is Thank laughing, you. but we're yeah. out of time. Very shortly, Brendan, I have to go to news. No, I, I, I agree. You know, accessing pensions is is hazardous for the long-term plans, unfortunately, no matter which way we do it. There are a lot of political history around this, so I won't get into that. That's, um, But, yeah. Please try and preserve it wherever possible. All right. Thanks for that. Brendan Gase back with us again next week. It's time for the latest news update.